Bank Stadium. Their silence is deafening. 136 Israelis are still being held hostage by Hamas. Bring them home. We've got the biggest questions. We've got the biggest questions that the Dodgers need to answer this offseason. We've got an update from the DS. Does the playoff format need a change? We're going to break that all down. Should the Dodgers sign Shohei Otani? Which club options will they pick up? Will Clayton Kershaw be back? Will the Dodgers stick with Dave Roberts? We have so much of this jam-packed edition of Dodgers Dugout Live. What up, Nora Ortega says, hi, DMAC. We have BC, go Dodgers. So, yeah, definitely keep those comments rolling. I read all of them after the show. We're going to keep posting these comments even the day after, and we're going to hit these comments after each segment. But before we get into today's topics, as far as the biggest questions for this Dodgers team, before we get into those, the first thing we need to talk about is last night. The Atlanta Braves eliminated by the Philadelphia Phillies. So the top two teams in the National League have been eliminated. The two 100-win teams. The two teams that the best offenses are done. And I think that, look, we know the Astros have had success. There's no doubt about that. But still, something just does not sit right with me. Some just does not sit right with the fact that both of these teams, the Dodgers, the Astros, you're talking about two teams that were explosive offensively. The Braves, the first team to slug 500 in the regular season. A Braves team that hit 307 home runs. A Dodgers team that hit 249 home runs. You compare that to how they performed in the division series. They were the two worst teams offensively. The Braves hit 186. The Dodgers hit 177. The Dodgers hit just one home run. J.D. Martinez in game two. The Braves hit just three home runs. So I don't know what to make of the MLB postseason anymore. This is the first time in MLB postseason history where you have the four teams in the championship series that have 90 or less wins. It's very, very interesting the way it's lined up. I think that it's devaluing the regular season. At this point, are you going to have maybe a regular season trophy? Like in hockey, the Commissioner's Cup, whatever they call it, right? You have a trophy. And the MLB postseason is starting to feel like the MLB tournament. I think it's getting devalued. It's really interesting. And look, they wanted more games, right? That was the whole idea. Is there a game five? Have we had one of these series go the distance, which for me, I find interesting because the players, they only get additional money for the first three games in a five game series and the first four games in a seven game series. So I find that very, very interesting. I'm not making excuses. I'm just giving explanations because it feels like the Dodgers and the Braves, both of these teams just had a difficult time hitting fastballs. They had trouble catch you with high velocity. Look, I said heading into this series that I picked the Phillies. My pick was that the Phillies would beat the Braves. And the big reason why was because the Braves having some pitching issues, right? Not fully healthy and also don't have a plan B. So I found it very interesting. So we're not going to go too into the weeds on that one, but I do want to point out something that I found even more interesting. After the game, you had the presumptive MVP, Ronald Acuna Jr. Ronald Acuna Jr., he did not speak to reporters after the game. He went right to the team bus, right to the elimination bus, probably right to Cancun. So he did not even speak to reporters, at least Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. Say what you want about those two who combined to go one for 21. Mookie went 0 for 11 in the DS, but at the very least, they still address reporters. They still owned up to having a bad series. Here, give a listen to Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman after the Dodgers NLDS loss to the Diamondbacks. There is no real, no real words for it. Um, they play better. You know, we didn't do much. I, I can't speak for all of us, but I know for sure I, I did absolutely nothing to to help us win. There's no there's no real words for it, words for it. I prepared the right way, and um, but I just did not execute anything. Um, and uh, you know, got to tip your cap to them. They pitched the ball really great. So we didn't score very many runs. But uh, again, I don't want to. I, I didn't do anything to help the team. 
doesn't matter about you know when you get in the postseason, man. It's, you got to play well, and uh, we have not. And, and you can point to a million different things, but at the end of the day, you got to play well, and that's that's all it is. That pitch has hit all night and rolled him over, just like I've been doing for five weeks. Do you think the week off uh, affects you guys? No. no, we had a great practice, good work. Everyone came out, a lot of energy. Just didn't get it done. So give your boys in blue credit, man. At least they owned up to it. At least they stepped up and faced the music where Ronald Acuna Jr., he pulled an Isaiah Thomas with the Pistons there in the 80s, not shaking hands the other team, not talking to reporters. So I thought that was Bush League by Ronald Acuna Jr., and I do find it extremely interesting. The four MVP candidates, the four top MVP vote-getters, Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, Ronald Acuna Jr., and Matt Olson, they struggled mightily in this NLDS round. If you look at their numbers across the board, Ronald Acuna Jr. goes two for 14 at a 508 OPS. Mookie Betts, 0 for 11, hit 83. Matt Olson, four for 16, 544. He definitely had a decent NLDS. And then Freddie Freeman, he goes one for 10, hits 350. All of the MVP candidates, they struggled. They were all playing on teams at 100 plus wins. They had that layoff. So it's very interesting because I think the league is going to be in an interesting position where you run the risk of having your marquee franchises, the teams that have the biggest stars. Now you've lost both of your stars in that division round. Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, Ronald Acuna Jr., Matt Olson. Yes, you still have Bryce Harper, and that's fine. That's great. You still have Trey Turner. You still have a emerging star in Corbin Carroll, but when those ratings come out, this I anticipate will be one of the least watched National League Championship Series in big league history. The Arizona Diamondbacks, they're a small market. They're a big market as far as probably fifth, sixth, seventh, as far as population, but as far as brand recognition, they're not up there. So yeah, I'm not making excuses. I do think that I want to see that NLDS move to seven games. I think that way you can at least give the team with the better record the opportunity to find a way to get a rhythm, to find a way to make up for all that time lost because baseball is a rhythm sport. It's an everyday sport. It's tough to shut it down when you don't have the adrenaline, we don't have those juices flowing and expect them to hit high velocity, nasty pitching in the postseason. Like I said, the Astros are looking at this and laughing because they've been able to have success despite the current role. So there's that, but I do think that there needs to be some tinkering done with it. I see by the way, and look, Mookie Betts, he's been bad. Like I said, I want Mookie Betts to be Mr. October and not Mr. August. And there has been a pretty steep decline in his numbers after August in the last few seasons. That's something very interesting that we'll talk about in another episode. But on that same note, Yes, Bryce Harper is fantastic. Bryce Harper is elite. He's someone that has an OPS over a thousand in the postseason. And I think that his team really buys into his leadership style. I think he exudes confidence. I think he plays with an edge. You see him staring out into the center field, making things personal. That's what you need at this stage. But let's not forget that the Nationals, they won that World Series without Bryce Harper, right? Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman, they have won a World Series. Now, Mookie wasn't great in that 2018 World Series, but Freddie Freeman, he was outstanding in their 2021 run to a title. So let's not act like Freddie Freeman has not had some really good postseason runs. And Mookie this has moments as well. But I absolutely do think that it's going to be a very interesting situation moving forward that from this league as far as keeping your best teams in the postseason. But by the way, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff when it comes to this roster construction, but I want to get your comments down below. What are your thoughts on the Braves exiting? What are your thoughts on Ronald Acuna Jr.? Absolutely just ditching reporters there. We got excuses, Dodgers blanked out, period. That's not an excuse. That's not an excuse. I just think from a business standpoint, if I'm the commissioner of the league, the Dodgers didn't deserve to be the Diamondbacks. The Dodgers are decimated by injuries, didn't execute. It was a pathetic performance. They were probably not going to win regardless. But I do think as far as the league is concerned, the fact of the matter is, is that the regular season in Major League Baseball means less than it ever has. It's been devalued. So that's just the point I'm trying to make here. I mean, they should just say, okay, we're playing six months of baseball, six months of baseball, and it might as well just call it October Madness, right? Might as well just call it October Madness. Might as well call the champion the MLB tournament champion because 
it's interesting. The world series does not feel like it's a connection to the regular season anymore. It feels like they're two different sports. It definitely feels like that at this point, it's all about staying hot in October and what happens in the early parts of the season don't matter much. It's something that it's for the gate revenue and trying to sell season ticket packages and regional sports network packages. So I find that very interesting. Go more here. We're going to continue to ride on here in our off season. By the way, if you have not subscribed to the Dodgers dugout live, we're going to be rocking with you all season long. We got Gody Yachty to the DMAC, the Baltimore Orioles got a hundred wins and they're out too. There you go. Another team right there. MLB should have 40 games and then a tournament for three months. That's from Bob Bowie. Bowie. I think what they should do is if you still want 162 games, you should have some built in double headers where you allow teams to call up guys from their farm system to really supplement that depth. Maybe have some double headers on big days, holidays, things like that to try to make it special or sometimes in game tournament, because look, the 162 game regular season is very long and it is a marathon. Make no mistake about it, but it is extremely long. We got Roy Estrada, DMAX start putting out only one wild card team in the playoffs after seasons, two days off and then start the playoffs. Number one team plays a wild card. Number two team plays number three, no more three wild card teams who don't deserve to be in the playoffs and get lucky. Yeah, but they want more teams. They want more relevant baseball down the stretch because when football starts and your team is eliminated, it's empty. It is empty. It, it looks like just complete. It looks like this, the fans were painted with seats, right? It just does not look right. So yeah, I think that's was really the motivation there, but now let's dive into our big questions that the Dodgers need to answer this off season. I'm very excited to get into this one and we're going to dive into all these topics on a much deeper level next week, but just to get things kicked off, really one of the first big ones is Will and we're gonna have a comment section a little later too. We can talk more about that as far as the postseason goes. But the first big one is will Clayton Kershaw call it a career? Will Clayton Kershaw retire? Now, let's first kind of look at where he's at as a player because his season before the injury, he was fantastic. He was someone that was in the conversation for the Cy Young, for being the starting pitcher for the second consecutive all-star team for himself. He's gonna be a star in the all-star game, right? But unfortunately, it was a shoulder injury. It derailed his season. And it was officially listed as inflammation. Clearly, it was much worse than they were leading on. He ended up missing six weeks. And then when he returned, the command was off. The velocity was down. He wasn't as effective. He was getting the results, but some of his expected numbers. Look at his expected FIP and his Sierra and his expected ERA. They're much higher than the ERA that he did post at 223. Now, where he's at as a pitcher, I think is largely going to be determined on his health. If he goes and gets second opinions and he gets his shoulder evaluated and they tell him that he has to get surgery, I think that could be it. I think that is a hundred percent. It's over 16 years. The career is a wrap for Clayton Edward Kershaw. But if they tell him that he doesn't have to get surgery or anything like that, and that he can still pitch I still believe that Clayton Kershaw can be effective. I still think that he can help this team. And he told Andy McCullough of the athletic that he was going to take some time off, get some opinions. Andy McCullough of the athletic wrote a year ago after the 111 win Dodgers crashed out early in the postseason, Kershaw opted to come back to Los Angeles after only a few days of discussion with his wife, Ellen. This year, he told The Athletic on Wednesday, he will take longer to decide. He is considering undergoing an additional examination on his left shoulder, which he injured in late June. This shoulder condition, which Kershaw has declined to specify, led to reduced fastball velocity and diminished command in the final months of the season. He indicated he was unlikely to engage in serious contemplation about his future for several weeks. So that lets you know where he's at. And after the game, if you just kind of read the tone of his voice after the Dodgers got eliminated by the Diamondbacks in game three of the NLDS, if you listen to the tone of his voice, it still sounded like it's completely up in the air. It doesn't feel like a decision has been made here. Give a listen to Clay and Kershaw as he discussed his off season, his future with reporters after the Dodgers NLDS loss to the D-backs. Kershaw, how will you approach this this offseason personally, mentally, and, and, and thinking about your future beyond the season? I'm not sure about that either. I'm not sure how it's going to look. 
Clean, you've said over the last couple of years it's always year, year to year for you. Um, at this point, you're talking about processing it. Is there anything different about this offseason as you go into it compared to the last two? I think so. Yeah, just try to. Well, yeah, but I'm not gonna. We'll see. I'm not sure. I don't know how to answer that right now. Clean, I mean, what is the feeling like of two, three hours ago you were thinking about pitching tomorrow? Yeah, it's a. Yeah, I mean, obviously you're focused on pitching and you know getting ready to face the guys again, and um, I think just yeah the mental letdown now of knowing that you're done for the season, and um, you know there'll be a physical letdown too. Your body will let you know the season's over. So all that stuff, man. It's just all all stuff that's no fun unless you win the last game. So by the sound of his voice, it really tells you that I think it's still up in the air. He's very disappointed. And for me, is he going to return? I personally believe that he's 56 strikeouts away from 3000. That's a major milestone. Only 19 guys sitting at that table in that club. You factor that in. You factor in that even with the diminished velocity and the command issues, he was still hitting 90 in his last start. Now the command was bad. It was terrible. It was the worst start of his career. But that tells me that with an off season of rehab that maybe right now he feels like, okay, it's a lot of work in between starts, but once he gets some rest, once he realized that, Hey, that is going to be my lasting memory. That's going to be the last image that fans have of me is going just a third of an inning, giving up six runs, becoming the first guy in the postseason to allow five hits to the first five batters. The guy that get absolutely rocked six runs an inning. Kirsch does not want to end his career like that because that is going to be a burnt in image for a lot of fans. For me, it won't. I'll think of the no hitters. I'll think of the no hitter in 2014. I'll think of the great starts. I'll think of game one of the 2017 world series. I'll think of him running out of that bullpen with his hands in the sky after the Dodgers won the 2020 world series. It won't be for me, but I think from a pride standpoint, that is not the lasting image. Okay. You want to give him another crack at this. And I think the bottom line is, he still feels like he can compete. He still feels like he can be effective. I was told from a source towards the end of the season that if nothing improved, that there was a better than 50-50 shot that he would retire. But then what I tell you after his last start, if you looked up in the stands, who did you not see? His last start against the San Francisco Giants the regular season, I didn't see Ellen Kershaw. I didn't see Charlie and all the kids. If that was going to be his potentially last start, in the regular season, you would have to believe that they would be there. Now, I think it's still possible that he does retire, but I don't think that it will be for another franchise. That's really first and foremost. I think if he calls it a career, he's going to hang him up and it won't be for another team. I think that the Texas Rangers are a team that you've heard discussed and they've been linked to curse for a long time. And I can tell you too, that they offered him a good amount of money on a multi-year deal to bring him down to Texas in previous off seasons, right? Cause Kirsch has been doing the one year thing, one year thing every single year. He actually was the Dodgers biggest free agent signing last year, a one year, $20 million deal. Right. And for him to go to Texas, I don't think that's going to happen. The reason why I don't think that he would sign with the Rangers is that they would expect to a degree, the Cy Young Kershaw, the hall of famer Kershaw. They would probably expect a little more from him. With the Dodgers, he knows that they know his body more than anyone else. They know what he has to do in between starts. They know about his routine. I don't think at this stage late in his career, he's going to want to go to Texas. I don't think that he's like that, right? I don't think that he wants to retire as a little bit of a sideshow in Texas. He doesn't want to be Elvis going to Vegas, right? He doesn't want to be that at this stage of his career. Also, this is someone who he met his wife, Ellen, when they were 16 and he married her and he's a creature of habit, right? This guy... He's a stickler for routine. He does not like change. I just could not see him in another team's uniform. So his options are sign with his childhood team, the Texas Rangers, retire or come back with the Dodgers. Now, I think come back with the Dodgers makes a ton of sense because here's the thing. If you look at the innings he pitched last season, he ends up pitching a 131 and two-thirds innings, had a 246 ERA, a 403 FIP, a 357 X FIP. And I think if you get that innings count down to under 100, maybe you go out there and trade for another starting pitcher. Walker Bueller's back. Bobby Miller takes another step forward. Emmett Sheehan. I think the key for Clay and Kershaw is to optimize what you have. He, You can't be in a position where Kershaw is your number one starter. He can't be your game starter. But I still think he can help this team. And 
when you consider the contract at 20 million, you're helping this team. You're also providing butts in the seats, Jersey sales. It'll be a little pseudo Kershaw farewell tour, even though he won't announce that it's his retirement season. But I think that is what the message will be. So I wouldn't be shocked if he retired, but I still think that he wants to come back and probably give this one more go. I mean, I can't imagine that's what he wants to be his lasting image. His last start on the mound is against the DS where it's his worst start of his career. So he's too much of a competitor, too fiery to do that in my opinion. But let me know down below. Do you guys think that Clay and Kershaw is going to retire? Do you think he should retire? He turns 36 in March. And yeah, I mean, he's someone who, like I said, you're not going to get the Clay and Kershaw of old. Just hopefully you don't get the old Kershaw a guy with a vintage arm, right? A guy that doesn't have it anymore, but let's dive into the comments. I want to hear from you guys over here. We got DC Kirsch would make sense for a six man rotation. Yeah. I've got some thoughts on that in a little bit. Pound for pound sign. Otani cut Kershaw, bring back Kike. I don't think you're going to cut Kershaw. He's a free agent, but uh, we got Mike. We got to keep Kershaw, get that three K mark, run a six man rotation all till also break, then move him to the pen and run a five-man rotation. So response to that is he doesn't have the repertoire and stuff to bring him out of the bullpen. Okay, we're talking about a 90-mile-per-hour at best four-seam fastball, a slider where if he has the feel for it, he's going to be effective, a curveball as well. So for me, it's a number three starter. Number two starter, I think that could be pushing it. But I think number three starter is to me the ceiling at this point for a World Series contending team. We got to Kershaw needs to hang up his glove. That's from Yuri over on YouTube. We got, to, yeah, look, this is the thing. If he doesn't think he can be effective, he's not going to go out there and be a role player. I've said here on the past, he is more of a Kobe Bryant than a Vince Carter. He does not want to come off the bench and be a role player. He's not that kind of guy. He's not going to be like an Oral Hershiser type that bounces around, just wants to stay on the mound. This is someone that, he knows he's a first bout Hall of Famer. He's an iconic player. But the reality is, you look at this Dodgers rotation and guys they could sign. Let's go out there and get a Blake Snell, right? You need a left-handed pitcher, right? I mean, Urias, of course, he's gone. You look at some of these guys coming up, you might want a lefty. And Kershaw could still provide value and fill a role for this team. A couple more here, and we'll change the next topic. A very interesting next topic. I know you guys are going to have a lot to say about we got mental over on YouTube should have kept Bauer because you know he would have set the tone. I mean, I think that's really an issue with the organization, MLB, and a lot of interesting stuff that has emerged and come out of involving Trevor Bauer in recent weeks. And yeah, I mean, the reality is Trevor Bauer is someone that really would have still been on this team, and that really was the goal. So yeah, they have not prioritized starting pitching to a degree, but it's not like they didn't go out there and make... Trevor Bauer, the highest paid pitcher per AAV. It's just, you had the off the field, you had the controversy. Won't dive into that, but yeah, he's someone that absolutely could have helped this team. No Ortega. I'm worried about him getting injured in the middle of next year and requiring surgery. I mean, look, that's the risk for any pitcher. I mean, it's the nature of the business. He's a guy who's never had that major surgery that you speak of. So look, I need to see him hit 3K, 56 punch outs away. Come get the 3K. Give me 90 to a hundred innings. I like the idea of a six man rotation, allow these young pitchers to continue to get reps and continue to grow into being everyday members of this starting rotation. The Ryan Pepios of the world. Hopefully Gavin stone has a better year. Emmett Sheehan and Bobby Miller. And then they're going to have to sign a guy, a trade for a starting pitcher. I'm going to bring up some of those names in a little bit here, but next big question is, will the Dodgers stick? with Dave Roberts. And I would venture to say that the chances are pretty good that Dave Roberts is the Dodgers manager next season. And yes, I know emotions are riding high. Yes. I know that you see Dave Roberts and you feel like some of these decisions that he's made. I've been one of his toughest critics. I've also been one of his best supporters at times. I try to keep it even keel with David, Dave Roberts. I try to, Criticize him when he deserves it. I try to give him praise when he deserves it as well. But here's the issue with Dave Roberts and this organization. If the Dodgers fire Dave Roberts, the question is, is it going to be an upgrade? Is there someone out there that you're confident that says there are a vast improvement to Dave Roberts? Because the reality is 
that since Tommy Lasorda, Doc has been the best manager they've had. He's been the one that's given them sustainable excellence throughout the regular season. He won the World Series in 2020. If the Astros didn't cheat in 2017, they most likely win that one. On the flip side, it's more complicated, right? I mean, there are some issues. The managerial job he did in 2019, you see last postseason, leaving Lance Lynn in there, I think he had, did a great job in the second game of the series. But all in all, I think Dave Roberts' hands were tied. I think that, look, here's the situation. If this team was 100% healthy, Dustin May doesn't go down. Tony Gonson doesn't go down. Walker Bueller returns, or he doesn't go down last season. Clayton Kershaw doesn't get injured. His opening day starter doesn't get arrested for felony domestic violence charges, right? If all those guys stay healthy, Noah Syndergaard was a bust, right? If all those guys stay healthy, then... Dave Roberts is going to beat the Diamondbacks in the first round. And then you're having the conversation of, okay, is this a year where he's exceeding expectations? I mean, it's a really good shot that Dave Roberts wins the manager of the year. And stability is definitely something that I think we take for granted here in Los Angeles. So I think I could make the case to keep Dave Roberts, right? That's the case for Dave Roberts. The case for Dave Roberts is he's a guy that will get you in the red zone. He'll get you to that two yard line, but sometimes he's not going to cross that goal line. Right. And for me, if, if you fire Dave Roberts, it's like you're firing the project manager on a building, right? You're firing the project manager, but really you should really be focusing on the architect. The architect is going to be the same. That architect is Andrew Friedman. So if you fire Dave Roberts, they're going to look for another guy that's going to be able to carry out and execute their game plans and be a guy that really allows them to utilize their strategies as far as roster construction. I mean, we haven't really talked about it, but how about the fact that Ahmed Rosario wasn't on that NLDS roster, right? Austin Barnes. Look, I understand Austin Barnes. You can't have one catcher in Will Smith, but Austin Barnes, he didn't catch Clayton Kershaw in that game, right? He wasn't his personal catcher. And then, he's your pinch hitter and he takes one pitch and he puts it in play after the Dodgers had gotten four straight singles and had a rally mounting there in game three down four to two in the seventh, trying to make a series out of that. So yeah, I think from a roster construction standpoint, Andrew Freeman hasn't done him any favors at times, but on the flip side, I can argue why you should replace Dave Roberts. And the reason is sometimes the message gets stale. Bill Parcells has talked about it. No matter how great of a coach you are, your message starts to get stale. You start saying variations of the same thing, the way you motivate players. Yes, he has infectious energy. There's no doubt about that. He's filled with positivity. He's a ray of sunshine. I've seen Dave Roberts command a room better than pretty much anyone I've ever seen in person. There's no doubt about that. But has he gotten the most out of his superstar Mookie bets? The answer in the postseason, probably not, right? Has he gotten the most out of his lineup in the postseason? Last few seasons, the answer is no, right? So really, your players take on the personality of your manager, right? Attitude reflects leadership, right? The type of players the Dodgers want, you want to be gritty. You want to be feisty. You want to be fire. You want to be passionate. Dave Roberts, he's positive and he's even keel. And I don't necessarily know if he's the guy that's really the raw, raw type. And look, that helps in high school, right? That helps in college, the raw, raw type win one for the Gipper, right? That's not necessarily the formula in major league baseball, right? But on the same token, his teams have been very tight. His teams have not peaked at the right time. What made Phil Jackson the best coach in basketball history? It was that he knew how to get his teams to peak at the right time when it mattered most. That is how he aligned his season to have the trajectory going upward, right? Look at Kobe and Shaq with Dell Harris. Look at them with Phil Jackson. Look at Kobe with Rudy Tom Jonovitz right there in between Phil Jackson returning, right? It wasn't the same guy. I think that if you're going to make a managerial change, you have to do that because you think that Dave Roberts has impact as far as the culture, as far as him being a motivator, as far as him keeping guys loose and allowing them to perform on the biggest stage, isn't cutting it. They could think that. They could not. They could think he's the best manager in the world and that they know it's their fault because of the roster that they've given him. And I know there's people out there that think that a T-ball manager, a little league manager could go out there and 
do Dave Roberts' job and win 100 games and that he's got the keys to a Bentley, he still has to know how to drive it, right? And he's done a pretty nice job driving it. But like I said, at some point, it could be time for a change. I, for me, I think, look, I would not be furious if they fired him as long as you have a true plan in place. Now, who would you want to see replace Dave Roberts? Because look, the reality is Dave Roberts knows he's a professional. Look, there's no other sport other than Major League Baseball, probably, where someone like a Dave Roberts or some of these managers that have not been replaced would keep their job. The NFL was a stand for it, not for long, right? You get hired to get fired. That's pretty much the nature of coaching, right? That's not the case in Major League Baseball. And it's different because you look at the value you provide. And someone asked me yesterday is, do you think that, <laughs> do you think that uh, MLB managers aren't taken as seriously because they wear the uniforms of the players. No, I don't believe that. I don't think that. Okay. I think that is not, uh, not the case here. Right. And the reality is look, Dave Roberts, if he gets one more 100 win season, he'll be tied with Bobby Cox for the most 100 win seasons. Right. But he also saw that Atlanta Braves team. They won just one world series in that 14 year run. So the similarities are pretty interesting there. But when you factor in, what a manager major league baseball provides. It's not like the NFL, right? Sean McVay brings his 11 personal offense, right? Kyle Shanahan, he brings his offense, trying to distribute the ball to all of his weapons, right? Chip Kelly at Oregon, bringing his blur style offense back when it was the Oregon, right? In the NFL, you bring your coaching philosophies, your style of play. It's not like you play a Dave Roberts style of baseball. It's not like that, right? Basketball thing is a combination of both his X's and O's. It's also, a motivator. So I think when you get to factor in what he brings as a manager, now who would I like to see if they were to replace him? I mean, who's out there? I mean, Kevin cash on a big deal, Craig council, one of the best managers. I think if you are going to go a different direction, I think you'd have to go the opposite. Give me a badass guy. Give me no nice guys, right? Chase Utley makes a lot of sense. I mean, who knows this, this whole idea of a first time head coach, a first time manager, if the whole idea of the position is just to manage, if it's just to motivate players, how about a Chase Utley and David Freeze combination, right? Something like that. Mike Sosha is not the answer. There's a reason why Mike Sosha has been hired by any team in Major League Baseball. Mike Sosha was a manager that teams wanted he'd be managing right now, but that hasn't been the case, right? He's updating his LinkedIn still, right? So I see Eric Karros or Chase Utley from Sam Vasquez. I see Benji Gill is a bad mofo. Gabe Kapler, DMAC. Okay, Gabe Kapler. Look, Dodgers already draw 47,000 fans at night. The tenants might go up. All those single moms in LA would show up to Dodgers team just to stare at Gabe Kapler. And I think Gabe Kapler already started his OnlyFans. So, no, but uh, Gabe Kapler is not the answer. The Dave, Gabe Kapler was in the mix for the job before the Dodgers signed Dave Rogers. But that's not the answer, right? So, that's really where they're at. Now I would venture to say there's less than a 10% chance that they're going to fire Dave Roberts. And here's the thing, because I think the team is going to focus more on player acquisition. And I think they realize that with Mookie Betts, with Freddie Freeman, with some of these pieces in place to add a managerial change when you're in the twilight of their primes is a big risk because if the manager comes in, he doesn't work. you lose another year. Mookie Betts, you lose another year of Freddie Freeman and whoever you bring in. So I think it's definitely something where if you think that star is out there, it's going to be a big game changer. Fine. Go for it. If you think he's the problem, fine. Go for it. I think that he's not even one, two or three of the Dodgers problems. I think it goes much deeper than that. We're going to get into that. I see Keith thoughts on Nomar for manager. Look, a part of this stuff is look, a lot of these guys, if you want to be a manager, manage yet. Nomar is not a manager. Right? He's on TV. If you want to manage, manage. And I think that, yeah, they have the mind for it astute baseball minds, baseball savants. They've forgotten more baseball than most people will ever know, but it's a lot more difficult than you realize managing egos, especially on big market teams that have a lot of stars is not easy. And I think Dave Roberts best quality is one, his infectious energy, his relentless positivity, giving confidence to players when they're slumping. I mean, look at Chris Taylor, Max Muncy. They had bad years. They had bounce back years this year. Look at Bob Miller and James Altman in the regular season. Their confidence that he gave them definitely helped. Believing in your players definitely goes a long way. But yeah, the fact remains, 
The question I have is why can't his teams a be a little more loose in the postseason and b peak at the right time? That is the question that I have. On the same token, if he had one in 2017 and they didn't cheat, and he won in 2020 and he had all these 100 win seasons, there's not one person that would say fire Dave Roberts. There's really not. He'd be like a Supreme Court judge. He'd be able to keep that job for the rest of his life as long as he wanted to. So it kind of cuts both ways. If you're someone that says, okay, the Dodgers would have won the 2017 world series. If it wasn't for Dave Roberts, if it wasn't for the cheating, then maybe on the flip side of that. So yeah, it's very interesting. And now the next big question. So, but at the end of the day, like I said, Dave Roberts is probably going to be the manager of the Dodgers next year. I would be surprised if they moved on from Dave Roberts, unless he went rogue and made some different decisions. And I don't know. And that's the case. It does feel like he's still in lockstep with the organization. Now, next year, if they're fully healthy and he has a stacked roster and they fail again, yeah, maybe it's time to fire him. And like I said, I would not be furious. They did fire him. They know how big of an impact he has one way or the other. That's only for the Dodgers to know. Personally, I know that, that they would probably bring in someone else that would probably have a similar role. So that's why I'd be somewhat it's focusing on the wrong thing, right? But I think Dave Roberts will be back. Now, my next big question, this is the probably one that all you guys want to talk about. Will the Dodgers sign Shohei Otani? Is it going to be Shohei the money? Is it going to be Showtime back in Los Angeles? I think at this point, you need Shohei Otani more than ever. I think at this point, you need to give something to these fans to feel excited about. You need to do something to change that narrative. And you need to do something that changes the way that fans ridicule this team as far as what they did last year. Last year, they had their hands in their pockets. Last year, you didn't make very many big signings. You signed Noah Syndergaard, $13 million. J.D. Martinez, one year, $10 million. Clayton Kershaw, like I said, was their biggest offseason signing at $20 million because you were saving for Shohei Otani, right? And I think they need Shohei Otani. They need him 100%, not just because he's a great player, which he is. And I can already hear you guys out there. DMAC, we need pitching. He can't pitch next year. Yeah, that's true. There's no doubt about that. And we're going to touch on that in a little bit here. But I think you need Shohei Otani for the main reason, the sole purpose of he needs to be the face of your franchise. He has to be the alpha of this franchise in place of Mookie Betts. And this is nothing against Mookie Betts. I think Mookie's a phenomenal player. I think he's a great player. I just think from a personality standpoint, this team needs someone like a Shohei Otani who is so incredibly hungry for a World Series title. This is someone who he's so focused on winning that you need that at this point. I think having Shohei Otani as your best player I think that's going to trickle down. You saw Shohei Otani at the WBC striking out Mike Trout, the fire that he played with. Shohei Otani is a fierce competitor. I'm not saying that Mookie's not, but I think having Shohei kind of replace Mookie as your top, top dog in that clubhouse, a guy that his work ethic, they all have great work ethic, but I think that having him in that clubhouse is going to be a, such a big spark. And I can hear you out there. Wait a minute. This Dodgers team, they scored 900 plus runs last year. They were elite. They're right behind the Braves and OPS and home runs. They're great two out hitting. What's he going to change in the postseason? As great as Mookie Betts and Shohei Otani are and, and Freddie Freeman are, Mookie's on a different tier. Okay? Let's just be honest. He's God mode. He's God love. He's God tier. Okay? He's all-time great status. As much as I love Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman, 100 years from now, yeah, we'll probably talk about them. People will probably mention them. But they're 100% going to still be talking about Shohei Otani 100 years from now. Okay, if you look at Shohei Otani and the success that he's had, it's incredible. I mean, he's someone that has been one of the most dangerous hitters in the league for quite some time. Even if you look at last season, Otani, he still finished first in all of Major League Baseball with a 180 weighted runs created plus. He had 304. He had 44 home runs, 95 RBI. And I think he's someone that you just can't pitch around in the postseason. And Otani isn't too nice. Otani is a fierce competitor. I see a comment that Otani is too nice. I don't think that's the case. This guy is work ethic and is off the charts. He's someone who brings it every day. And I think the most important thing as well is 
you saved for this, right? We ate top ramen all off season. We did that because we were saved. We ate, we did not go out to eat, right? We ate the food at home, the top ramen all off season. Now we need that a five Japanese Kobe beef, right? We need that top level stuff. I want the filet mignon now, right? So I absolutely think they need to sign Shoyo Tani. Will they sign him? That is a different story. I think there's a good chance that they're in the mix. I think that they've been angling for him. I've heard from several different sources that they are going to be all in on him, right? And they're definitely going to be willing to pay him premium money. And really the ball's in Otani's court. What does he want to do? Does he want to go with the franchise like the Dodgers that has proven they can make it the postseason every year? Does he also see what they saw last year? I think that Otani probably sees, okay, look, Freddie, Mookie, and Otani, all three of those guys aren't going to slump, okay? Freddie and Mookie on one for 21 was already an oddity. It was already a rare scenario. But you put three of those guys in lineup, they're not all three going to slump. So I still think that Otani feels like this Dodgers team can give an opportunity to get to the postseason and perform. But let's dive into some of your comments here about Shohei Otani. We got DK Yamamoto, not Otani. What do you mean? They're not, they're not mutually exclusive. You can get them both. This is the Dodgers. There's no salary cap. There's no salary cap. And the Dodgers, you look at where they're at with Otani. Yeah, for sure. They would absolutely be repeat offenders, right? But they can get them both and you need them both. You need another starter too. We got, uh, Keith, no, we need to sign Snell and Nola and trade for Luis Roberts. Keith, I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. Junebug, number one priority, get Otani. DK Megaboss, Otani too nice. Edward Mendoza, show Shotani going to bring that swagger. Yeah, it's definitely going to bring a different life, a different energy to this team. The Dodgers would immediately be the biggest draw in Major League Baseball. They would be the Beatles of baseball. They'd be traveling rock stars. I don't think people realize just how big of a star he is globally. I mean, we're talking about the biggest star that major league baseball pretty much has ever had. I mean, that's how big he is, especially when he gets back on the mound. We got impact rated will with Shohei having surgery. Do you think he will still be the same pitcher and hitter? I mean, I still think absolutely he's going to be the same hitter. He's had success with that. As far as being the same pitcher, that remains to be seen second time. He's going to have that Tommy John surgery. Did you guys see the performance that Nathan Eovaldi had? So there's some promise. And here's the thing. He can always go in as a reliever. You can have him as a closer. Imagine Otani, 100-mile-per-hour fastball, nasty splitter, nasty sweeper. He could go the John Smoltz route, where when John Smoltz returned, he was a closer, had a lot of success, and then reverted back to being a starting pitcher. So I do think he can still have success as a pitcher. I still believe that with the advancements in medicine and Dr. Neil Elitrach and the likes, I don't think that it's outside the realm. And the reality is if you sign to an eight to 10 year contract, right? If you give him $400 million and you work some things out from an incentive standpoint, from a pitching side, there's no way that you thought he was going to pitch for 10 years. I mean, even Garrett Cole got nine years, right? He wasn't going to pitch for 10 years, but if you get like four or five years out of Otani, that'd be great. If it's less than that, that's fine too. As long as he's producing at the plate, his value as far as what he can do offensively still justifies the price. So I don't think that it's anything where you don't think you're going to get value out of that. I still think as a hitter, what he provides, he's still going to be massively valuable. Also too, I think you squeeze what's left out of a Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman's primes. I think that's the biggest key too. So that's the big question. Will they get Shohei Otani? We're going to do a whole episode on Otani next week. But uh, I think for sure, 100%, they still have to get him. They still have to go all in on Otani. I think that he makes perfect sense. And I think we're going to talk about some of these pitches. I see people saying you got to sign Snell. You got to sign Noel. I'm going to talk about that in a second here. My next big question, though, for this team is the Dodgers rotation in 2024. What will that Dodgers rotation look like next season? Will Clayton Kershaw return? How will Walker Buehler look? How will Dustin May look later in the year? How will Bobby Miller look, right? How will some of these other guys look? I mean, you got Ryan Pepio. You used to have Ryan Yarbrough back. You got Emmett Sheehan. You have Gavin Stone. You got Kyle Hurt, Landon Nag, Nick Frasso. So those guys have to be added to that 40-man roster to avoid being included in the Rule 5 draft. So they're going to have some questions as far as their starting rotation. Do you go youth movement where you give Pepio and Miller and Sheehan and Gavin Stone, all these guys opportunities? Do you trade some of those chips for a veteran 
right? Do you trust that Walker Bueller is going to return and Dustin May is going to return to form and be effective for you? Or do you go externally to get some starting pitching? And I think right now, top priority, top priority has to be going external for starting pitching. That is the recipe for success. You mentioned the Phillies, a very top heavy rotation with Zach Wheeler and Nola, right? Yes, it didn't work out for the Brewers in the wild card round, but I still believe that starting pitching is the recipe for success. You got to have two guys that shove. You have to have two number one pitchers, two number one pitchers. That's how you win. Koufax Drysdale, right? I mean, you have starting pitchers that carry you throughout October because the reality is an elite offense is going to get shut down. Whether it was the layoff, whether it was the approach of the plate, whatever reason, the Braves and the Dodgers, two best offenses, both went out sad. Both went out cold. Both didn't perform. Both hit under 200 and weren't able to put up runs in the postseason. So we know that a explosive offense in the regular season that has a lot of talent, the ability to slug is going to be neutralized to a degree. But if the Dodgers had even average starting pitching this series, maybe they win this series. Maybe they find a way to get a lead once, but that wasn't the case. So who are the names that are going to be available? Now, Blake Snell, he's someone that's available. He's could cost upwards of $200 million based on the year he had. And you have to give Blake Snell a lot of credit because he put himself in a great position to have success this year and sign a really big contract. But I think there's a couple of things that are working against the Dodgers for Blake Snell. And the two things are Scott and Boris. Okay. Haven't had a lot of deals with Scott Boris and Blake Snell is someone who was phenomenal in the regular season. He had himself a career year. He's won a Cy Young in the past. He's going to win one this year. But are you, are you getting him when his values is at as best? Are you getting him when you're basically going to have to really overpay for a Blake Snell, right? You're getting him when that value is as high as it's going to get. You're buying that PS five the day of aftermarket paying double, triple value, right? I buy my PS five, like 15 years after it comes out, right? I mean, are you getting it at peak value? And you look at Blake Snell the year he had, he was good for sure. I mean, a 225 ERA, but still the expected FIP at 362, the expected ERA at 377. There was a disparity there. There are signs that point to regression with Blake Snell. And also you look at the lack of efficiency at times in big games. For me, Blake Snell isn't the answer because this team has shown that they don't love to give long-term contracts out to starting pitchers. Even with Trevor Bauer, it was a unique situation because he was willing to take that three-year deal with the opt-outs after each year. That's not going to be the case for Blake Snell. He's represented by Scott Boris. You sign with Scott Boris for one reason and one reason only, and that is to get the most money that you possibly can. That's to create a bidding Ward Nando three nights. The DMAC got that PlayStation one still <laughs> crash bandicoot still playing at Madden 95, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, absolutely. I'll be the show 99, right? So yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't think Blake Snell is the answer. I think Blake Snell is interesting. I think there's a connection there with Andrew Freeman, but I don't think that's the move. So keep going down the list. You got Yoshinobu Yamamoto. That's a name that you could get at a more affordable price. You got the history of Japanese pitchers in this organization, Hideo Nomo. I mean, the list goes on and on, right? That's the name we're going to, we're going to take a deep dive on next week. So you go Yoshinobu Yamamoto. You could go Nola. Nola's another guy you could sign. I think you get Nola for less than Snell. So that's the name I'd be interested in. He's someone who plays up in the postseason. But I think the smarter move, if I'm the Dodgers, is trying to explore the trade route, is trying to cash in on some of these prospects and using that money, that free agent money for Otani, right? And I think I would look at trying to see if I could get a Dylan Cease, trying to see if I could get a Corbin Burns who will be on the last year of his contract. He'll be in the last year of team control. Maybe you're able to get a Corbin Burns, right? And then that way you bridge that gap to getting your ACE next year in Shohei Otani. Cause remember Shohei Otani can't pitch in 2024, but he'll be back to pitch in 2025. So do you really need that long-term guy, right? When you can get the shorter term guy cease two years of team control, Corbin Burns, he'll have one year, 
right? So I think I would explore the trade market first to see if I get a guy on a shorter term deal, like they should have done with Luis Castillo and then either extend them or look elsewhere. That to me would be my top priority because look, the reality is that a lot of these long-term starting pitcher contracts, they don't age well. Steven Strasburg, one of the worst contracts in baseball history. Look at Carlos Rodon. That hasn't quite worked out, right? That was a bad deal so far. So a lot of times they don't work out. Pitchers past their prime, they get injured. They start to lose effectiveness. The best you can do is get them when they're at their peak prime. And the Dodgers are in an advantageous position of having prospect capital to be able to get some of these guys. So if you look at some of the best names that are out there, right? I mean, Garrett Cole, Zach Gallant, Justin Steele, Logan Webb, Zach Eflin, Pablo Lopez. Pablo Lopez is someone they should have gotten too. They didn't want to part ways with the trade chips. The Dodgers should have gotten Pablo Lopez. That's one of a couple of mistakes that Friedman has made. He didn't get Luis Castillo. He didn't get Pablo Lopez, who had a really good year with the Minnesota Twins. You could have gotten Jordan Montgomery. There was a deal on the table for him. The Dodgers didn't want to be aggressive. So what we need to see from this team is you need to prioritize starting pitching, And you need to be more aggressive with those trade chips. Okay. I'm sick of sustainability. I will take three years of not even making the postseason just for a world series title. Okay. Like I said, this whole thing is the Dodgers and the postseason being a crapshoot. No, the postseason isn't a crapshoot. You just play like crap because I don't think your roster is built to win the postseason versus the regular season. And I think if you're more aggressive in acquiring starting pitching, you're going to put yourself in a much better position to have deep runs, to have more success. And look at the starting pitching. Julio Urias and Clayton Kershaw, those are the two guys that have really run this rotation. Those weren't even Andrew Friedman guys. Look at the minor league level. Look at the way they develop starting pitching. They don't have those guys going deep into games. I think there needs to be, if you have to ask me, what's the bigger issue with the Dodgers, the way they handle starting pitching as far as acquiring it as far as developing it, as far as their philosophies towards it and how they use that in games. I would say this is exponentially a bigger problem than Dave Roberts. If you want to go the cows around and say Dave Roberts is the problem, fine. I mean, that's cool. I'm okay with that, but it's the emphasis on starting pitching that I think has been an issue for this team. And yes, they were decimated by injuries, but that to me is what I want to see a emphasis and focus on starting pitching. And if it is a Blake Snell, fine, whatever it takes to bolster that rotation, but you can't just say, okay, Walker Buehler is going to come back and Dustin May is going to come back. We have to learn from our lesson. You can't just say, we're going to have those guys come back from injuries and this and that. No, we've watched that movie before. We saw how it ends. You can't do that. You have to invest. You have to pay for starting pitching, but let's go down below in the comment section. WTF, is Kasten doing? He doesn't care. That's from Adam 818. You know, it's interesting. You know, Stan Kasten, I mean, what? Two of his 18 teams have won the World Series? Just saying. Just saying. Now, next big question. Let's do some more here. We got Diane Schroeder. This year, Friedman has his hands in his pockets waiting to try and launch Otani. This was a throwaway year. I think in retrospect, I think you can make the case that it was a combination of one, you wanted to save your chips, put all your eggs in that Otani basket. And that's understandable, right? A generational player, a guy that is going to sell sponsorship and jerseys and he's iconic. He does so many things. He he doesn't move the needle. He is the needle, right? That's how big Shoei Otani is, right? The same token, he got injured. So I think that kind of popped their Otani balloon a little bit, but I still think that they still want to sign him. And then also at some point you had to develop this young talent to see what you have. You had to see if these guys are good and they're going to be core contributors to your team. They were able to do just that. So I agree though. It was a transition year. And what I always say when it comes to teams, don't listen to what they say. Okay. Andrew Friedman, it's word salad, right? It's word salad. Listen to what, don't listen to what they say. Watch what they do. They said they want to be competitive. They sign a lot of one year guys, right? So, I mean, Say what you want about Carlos Correa. He had a pretty nice postseason. Uh, but we got uh, Hector. I think we should get Logan Webb DMAC. He's a dog and he can eat innings. Yeah, Hector Ramirez. I don't anticipate that happening. I mean, Logan Webb, he's a really good pitcher. You saw all the success he had against the Dodgers last year. Logan Webb is right there as far as one of the better pitchers in the league. But yeah, I mean, he's top eight. I mean, last year, Logan Webb at 325 ERA. You love the fact that that expected FIP is lower than the ERA, but Logan Webb, that's just not going to happen, man. I mean, you're not seeing 
many deals done with the Dodgers and the Giants and he's in that first year of arbitration. So, so much team control. Yeah, that's just not on the table. It's not an option. But next big question, number four, the fourth big question is the club options. The Dodgers have some club options that they have to make decisions on. And first you got Lance Lynn. Oh, oh, Lance Lynn just gave another home run. You got Lance Lynn, $18 million, a $1 million buyout. He gone. He's gone. He's going to be gone like the home runs he served up. So Lance Lynn will not be back with the Dodgers at 18 million. He does provide some value. I mean, look, talk about a guy who give you 150 to 200 innings. Definitely has value, but I think the Dodgers right take that money and allocate it elsewhere. And that's the big key for the offseason. Number one thing you're not to watch is where will the Dodgers allocate their funds in the where they allocate their resources. Will they use the trade chips for starting pitching? Will they use the money for starting pitching? That to me is the shift that we need to see. We need to see a little pendulum switch, switch uh, shift from this Dodgers front office. Then you have Max Muncy, a $14 million club option because of the incentives that he built this year. So he did a nice job, had himself a really good season, 36 home runs, 100 plus RBI. You would have hoped that the batting average was going to improve a little bit, but still the production was there. I think there's no doubt about that. They will pick up Max Muncy. The interesting development for Muncy is you go out there and try to get a Chapman or trade for an Arenado and try to acquire a third baseman where you take him off of third base where he's been awful, to be frank, a bar of soap season. Every time he tries to pick up that bar of soap, it slips out of his hand. He's just not built for third base. And it's really no fault of his own. He's tried to work at it. It's not for lack of effort. But they move him off of third base, where do you put him? If you don't sign Otani, you pick up Max Muncy. He can be your DH, right? He's basically a DH playing third base. Not going to play first base. Second base, I think for me, the issues you see at third, you'll see at second base. You need more range at second base. Yes, I think he could be better at second at than he would be at third, but not by much. I still think that defensively, it would hurt this team, him at second. So it'll be interesting. You could also s- trade him too. I mean, he's going to pick, they're going to pick that up. I mean, they're most likely going to pick up that $14 million club option for Max Muncy. And then the next one, a $9.5 million club option for Joe Kelly. Now, Joe Kelly, this one is going to be interesting because the decision is going to require more than just, oh, how is he as a player, right? And you look at him as a player, Joe Kelly is really having a late career peak. He was really good for the Dodgers. He was really good this season as far as the FIP and the advanced numbers go. I mean, you talk about a guy, had a 293 expected ERA, a 272 FIP, and that ERA was high at 412, but that's not as much as what is important for him as far as where he's at. The strikeout numbers, the highest they've been, the strikeout rate, the price a little steep. I mean, you could say it's a little steep there, but I still think that at the end of the day, when you factor in, he can still be a high leverage reliever. He can still be a fireman and come out of your pen and miss bats. That's always key. That plays up, but they always feel like they can find relievers from anywhere. They always feel like they can find them mid season, develop them. And if you acquire some starting pitching to some of these guys, some of these younger guys, like the Sheehan's of the world move back into your bullpen, right? So, or use them as swing men and six man rotations and things like that. So I think that one is a tough call. I would say it's probably 60, 40, something 60, 40, 60%, no 40%. Yes. So that's going to be an interesting one. Blake Trinan, that one's conditional. Blake Trinan, uh, I would say no. I would say Blake Trinan. He was never able to make it back on the mound today. This season, he said earlier in the year that he was going to be disappointed if he did not. He underwent that shoulder surgery, even though they told him and doctors recommended that they he undergo the knife earlier last year. He elected to try to rehab it. He used the PRP shots, the power of prayer, and nothing really turned his season around. He did make a return in 2020. Two and give that bomb to Cronenworth in the NLDS. But yeah, it's tough to imagine the Dodgers picking up that club option. I think you're going to go with uh, other relievers. Then Daniel Hudson. So Daniel Hudson, he's another one, a six and a half million dollar club option. I think the bigger question for Daniel Hudson is, is he going to retire from major league baseball? I don't think Hudson's will be picked up. I doubt he's going to be back. And you got Alex Reyes who has a $3 million club option. He ended up having shoulder surgery. They might see the upside in Alex Reyes when he was when he was good in 2021. He's an all-star. 
There was a lot of potential there. He looked like he was going to be one of the more elite relievers in Major League Baseball, but I don't think they pick up his option. I think that they probably move on from him. Although it's only three million to the Dodgers, that's a drop in the bucket, right? That's a couple beers and a pretzel, and the Dodger dog sale will pay for that. But I, I think they want to start fresh and kind of move the needle with other guys and kind of turn the page. So yeah, Lance Lynn. So the Dodgers club options, Lance Lynn, Max Muncie, Joe Kelly, Blake, Trina, Daniel Hudson, Alex Reyes. I think the only true guarantee slam dunk one is Max Muncie. I think Max Muncie's gets picked up. The other guys, Joe Kelly and Alex Reyes, maybe a debate. I think the for sure knows are Lance Lynn, Blake, Trina, Daniel Hudson, and Alex Reyes is somewhat of a conversation, but most of those, most of those guys aren't going to be back in Dodger blue. So that's going to be a big, big decision as far as what route do you want to go? But let's go in the comment section here. And here you have to say, do you guys think they should re-sign JD Martinez? Yeah, I could see them re-signing JD Martinez. I mean, the thing about JD though, is he's going to have multi-year offers out there. I mean, you could see maybe if he'd consider a one-year 15, 16, $17 million deal to make another run at it. And of course, we're talking if they don't sign Shohei Otani, maybe, possibly. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think he's going to receive better offers on the open market. And hey, wish you well, man. Thanks for your one year in Dodger Blue. So uh, I just don't think that's going to happen. I mean, you look at that Dodgers 100 RBI quartet, they combined for five hits in the postseason, right? Wilson had five hits all by himself. Now, I don't anticipate that. Let's do some more comments here, guys. I'm going to focus on you guys for the comments. Martinez will go to the Padres. I can see that. Matt, 90s Braves got nothing on the Dodgers. Bruce Davis is bring Kelly back. I mean, there is a mural of Joe Kelly, right, at Dodger Stadium. Mariachi Joe Kelly. We got uh, Get Aaron Nola. That's from Corey. Yeah, I think Aaron Nola is he's an interesting name. I think Aaron Nola makes more sense in the free agent market than some other guys. I mean, I just think that you have, I mean, like Aaron Nolan, the regular season had a 446 ERA, right? But he's someone that you have to emphasize his ability in the postseason, a 376 ERA. I don't think that he's someone that's okay. He's going to carry you throughout the postseason. I think that he can pitch in October and he's proven that, but I think that you need to go bigger. I think I would use my trade chips to get a starting pitcher because that way I'm not committed to those years on the back end where you're almost guaranteed to see some decline unless it's Yoshinobu. That's the one that, uh, that I'm interested in as far as the free agent market goes, but uh, a couple more here. We got uh, Gabe Kapler. That's a no for me, dog. We got, uh, I mean, Gabe Kapler. I mean, probably cares more about the lineup on his beard and the gummies chewing. Yeah. Gabe Kapler is uh, not the guy I want managing the Dodgers, but uh, we got uh, Otani or buzz as from Adam eight, one eight. We got to bring back Kike, right? I would love to see Kike back, but he doesn't have a club option. But I think after this year, after the postseason he had, I think it makes all the sense in the world. Kike with the Dodgers this year, you saw who in the postseason. he's a guy that steps up. Some guys have the ability to play in October. Kike Hernandez is one of those guys. Jordan Montgomery is a free agent. Yeah, we'll talk about him. I'm actually going to dedicate an entire episode next week on the starting pitching availability on the pitchers that the Dodgers could target via trade or through free agency. But these right now are the big questions. Will you stick with Dave Roberts? Will Clay and Kershaw return? Will they sign Shohei Otani? Will you pick up some of those club options? How will the starting rotation look? How will this team rebound from this season. How long will it take to kind of get the stink off of you this season? But a couple more here, guys, and we're going to let you enjoy the rest of your Friday. How's everyone dealing with this post Dodgers funk that we're in for me. When you're talking about player acquisitions, it starts to make things feel better. We got D Mac Lynn just gave another home run. That's from Bruce Davis. Yeah. I mean, that was just so bad. Four home runs, four home runs in an inning. Unbelievable. First time ever, but uh, give me Corbin Burns. Give me Shohei Otani. Give me Dylan Cease. think this team is not as far away as you guys think they possibly are. I know it's things right now, but uh, yeah, I mean, they got chips, man. You got Nick Frosso. You got Andy Pajes. You got some other guys you can move. I want to see a Nick Frosso, Andy Pajes, and maybe a low A minor guy 
for Corbin Burns. Get me Corbin Burns on this Dodgers team. But that's going to do it for this episode of Dodgers Dugout Live. My name is Doug McCain. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. Let's do a more, couple more comments here, guys. I know you guys are lighting them up, and I feel like... Uh, actually, I lost my comment. That's why. We got uh, Lynn, official pitcher for the Home Run Derby of 2024, Victor Banos. That's a fire take. Yeah, we got... Uh, how is Pepio's start? How's Pepio's game four start? Yeah, Ryan Pepio. I can't wait to watch him shove there in game four. Limbs goes six shutty against the Dodgers. That's from UL. He got lit up by Arizona, but that's going to do it, guys. Thanks again for joining us here on Dodgers Dugout Live. We're going to be rocking with you every single morning, Monday through Friday, all off season long, talking all things Dodger baseball. My name is Doug McCain. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. Special shout out to our producer, Mr. Jordan. He's the man in the. Uh, Definitely drop some comments down below. Who do you want to see the Dodgers sign? What do you think is the single biggest question? Do you think they should move on from Dave Roberts? Let me know down below. If you haven't subscribed to the channel, be sure to do that. Hit that notification bell. Hit that like button. See, we love you, DMAC. Don't want to go back to work. That's from Cesar. Hey, man. Sorry. Shout out to your, your bosses. Thanks, Mark Cordova. All you guys. But uh, thanks again, guys. Remember, nothing brings us together quite like Dodger baseball. And until next time, think blue, bleed blue, and I'm out. In a roaring stadium, their silence is deafening. 136 Israelis are still being held hostage by Hamas. Bring them home. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.